We will control the horizontal. We will control the vertical. Just one more thing. Hey now. Oh boy. Holy mechanical armies. Mom always liked you best. Oh, she did. <laughs> you wanted to be one word. What is the other word? One of these days. Are we having fun yet? It's going to be legend. Wait for it. Now, you might very well think that, but of course I couldn't possibly comment. Bertie Helens agreed. Oh, come on! Missed it by that much. Good evening. Hello, and welcome to the Televerse, Sound on Sight's TV podcast. This is Kate Kulzik, and I'm joined as ever by Simon Howell. Uh, Simon, how's your week going? Uh, well, I can only say one thing, kids. You're going to go climbing fences... Put something over top of the fence. Otherwise, you may find yourself injured. Yes, don't gash the crap out of your arm because you're climbing fences that you don't need to I don't know if the listeners can tell. We've discussed this. Yeah. (laughs) Mama Bear is not happy with me. Yes, it's just because it's so stupid, but that's okay. You'll be fine. Believe me. Believe me. I believe me. I knew how stupid it was the moment it happened. No, yeah, yeah, no, no. You knew how stupid it was when you were halfway through. But oh, I have to get down. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure I knew a little before that, and definitely after that as well. <laughs> oh well. Anyway. Oh well. Uh, so yes, a lot, a lot going on this week. You're headed to to Tribeca. You're, you know, you didn't get to watch any of the Monday shows because you're finishing all your packing and everything. So you're by the time listeners hear this, you're on the road. Yeah. It- yeah, it's it's weird. Listeners are hearing it. I'm not on the road yet. The Monday shows haven't aired yet, but I know that I can't that that I didn't watch them. <laughs> it's I don't know. We're in this weird. Time you will zone not right have now. watched them. Yes. yes, yes. And I'm I'm disappointed. I I feel like there's a real fiasco coming on on the on Smash soon, and I I feel like I'm gonna miss it the week it happens. <laughs> well, you always have to have to catch up, and, and so we can talk about it next week, I suppose. Um, but yes. we we uh, we got some some comments at the website. Thank you, Mario, very much for your for your comments. Um, among other things, you suggested because we were asking what show should we not cover, uh, which shows are people tired of hearing about, and uh, to which he replies, uh, none of them. Our job is to to watch everything so that he doesn't have to. So that's a uh, good. Damn it! This was our covert way of lightening <laughs> our load, and you just ruined it. But he does suggest that we cover some random stuff that like sort of piques our interest. Like if we check into a show that we haven't been watching, um, just to kind of check up on it or something, then that would be something interesting. Or if there are cool commercials or things like that, which I thought was interesting and a good suggestion. So thank you, Mario. Um, also, lots on Twitter, lots of justified talk, uh, some Cabin in the Woods, a little bit of Lost. So lots of good things that like that ken was uh commiserating with me about fringe in chicago we had a emergency broadcast system alert that blocked out our audio for a a while during the episode which was frustrating in a first world problems kind of way um then uh keith liked the b in apartment 23 so we'll talk about that a little later in the show and dan is worried about his standing in our amazing race pool um, but considering he's still in second place, I mean, he, cause he picked Nary and Jamie and they're out this week. So he's a little concerned, mm-hmm. but well, I, I have a feeling he will bounce back. I think it's going to come down to whoever picks or picked the right team 
Well, I'm feeling pretty good about the team I picked, and I cleaned up this week. So you did. You got those and clown I've still points. Got my, and I've still got my phantom points, which <laughs> no. put me right behind number one. So <laughs> feeling pretty good. We'll we'll talk uh, about that a little later in the show when we get to the Amazing Race. Uh, we all, yeah. actually we uh, checking with iTunes. We didn't get any new ratings or reviews this week, but we managed to lose a rating i don't know how that happens but we went down in our number of ratings and actually our overall rating went down too so now we're at four and a half but i didn't know that that could happen apparently itunes ate one of your guys's ratings so i'm sorry if it's yours uh but uh if, if you do have some you know if you like the show if you have a few spare minutes we'd really appreciate it if you could go over to itunes and uh click you know the thing give us a rating or a review it helps other people find the show and helps us build our listener base so we can find more fabulous listeners like you guys and if anyone could tell us how to get on better terms with steve jobs's ghost please let (laughs) us know because clearly he has it out for us yes well and and uh, i know that itunes ate uh keith's review keith wrote a review for the televerse a while back and it just never showed up so he he went back and uh and did another one later but yeah apparently itunes has it out for us so i guess so have to combat that uh at the website send that site um of course you're like we said you're going to try back up then hot docs is coming up what is this hot docs is coming up. it's a huge documentary festival in toronto we're gonna have michael waldman and, and a couple other people covering it uh michael waldman of course is a co-host on the game of thrones cast which i believe we're recording later tonight and uh, we're also my uh my good friend eduardo lucatero is going to be as per usual doing a blog at con when he goes up there in may so i think it's in may uh, so, yes, lots of good festival coverage coming up, which is great because besides, you know, the Avengers, it's going to be pretty slow on the movie front for a while, I think. Yeah, sorry. I just I was distracted there for a moment because you said con and I went to con. Yeah, not yeah, I know. can. <laughs> My bad. OK, that that makes way more sense. Um <laughs> My my latest article at the website is still my basketball, or sorry, baseball top ten from from last week. It's been kind of crazy. I don't know that I will get a, an article out this week, but I'm I'm gonna try. So hopefully this will force me to stick to it and get a new a new list or something out there this week. Um, oh, and we should mention, of course, at, instead of doing a DVD shelf shelf this week, we uh, we we were skipping that, and we talked with Alyssa Rosenberg from Think Progress about Justified season three and the finale. Um, we didn't get to go into a lot of uh, in depth talk, particularly about the finale, just because of the time limit. But it was a lot of fun talking with her. Yeah, we we may want to throw in a, a few additional comments about the finale just for fun. Yeah, I have a feeling we should do that because I didn't talk about how. When Duffy was awesome and hilarious <laughs> in his scene yeah. <laughs> yeah. With, with Raylan, so yeah, I think we're we're gonna do that. Executive decision. We're gonna All do right. a little extra Boom. justified finale talk uh, before we get All to right. the season spotlight. But uh, that, I think that's plenty of talk up at the top. We should get into this week in in TV. So let let's kick things off. Let's just kick things off with some 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 justified talk up here. At the, All right, at the since top. it was on Tuesday, sure. Yeah, this was an insanely great finale. Holy crap! They knocked this one out of the park, if you ask me. Um, yeah. I think, it, and I was really, really worried about it, which made it even better, because the season two finale was was mostly good, but I, I think we can agree it was marred by some coincidences and mm-hmm. Deus Ex Machina action that was sort of unfortunate. And, you know, the whole arc of the season was a little predictable, although ended, I think, satisfyingly for the most part. This was just... It was so packed with twists and plot and incident and character development and promise for the future 
and and hilarity and darkness. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I couldn't possibly have asked for more. And season haters can suck it pretty much. <laughs> oh, not to be uh, divisive at all. Uh, that's that's awesome. No, I I thought the finale was great. I really enjoyed it. Uh, and for you, I mean, for me, of the things that you said, I of course I agree with everything you have to say there. Um, I, I did enjoy this season and this finale a, a bit more than season two, though I, of course, season two is fabulous as well. Um, but but the, the particular thing I want to note is character, because for me, the, as, as hilarious as a few of the, the lines were and some of the really great moments were, the, the reason that this finale worked so well is because it was so... Um, indicative of these characters and their journeys and we saw most of our characters make significant choices in their life in this mm-hmm. finale so i can't wait to see what happens next year but but yeah i mean is it just me win duffy needs to get out of town because he's now been out <laughs> crazied by, by everyone everybody. yeah <laughs> yeah that whole that whole opening and, and cut to the uh and cut to the title sequence was just amazing yeah, it was. I mean, Jerry Burns has been great all season, but uh, yeah, he's he's it was just so so much fun. Yeah. Now, do you, do you think Raylan actually put a bullet in the gun, or do you no. think he palmed it? No, I think he definitely palmed it. But but I love that they didn't show us. Yeah, I agree. That was a great choice. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Let's see what el- what else should we mention from the finale? I know we. God, I mean, Ava's progression was absolutely fabulously dark. <laughs> <laughs> Though you know what I enjoy, I, I rewatched the the premiere and I was pleasantly surprised to see that that they they bookended the season with with her because um, of course the season started with her uh, taking a a frying pan to devil and right. uh, and and so I, I in some ways they really they foreshadowed where she went. It's just that by the end of the season, it wasn't limited to people who were being an asshole to her. Mm-hmm. This is just the person that she's decided to, to be and has become. So yeah, that was yeah. really interesting. And, uh, Arlo was great. Lots of, um, yeah. And the, and they handled that twist with him so fabulously well. Yes, like, absolutely. That was like breaking bad levels of, of plot twistiness and mm-hmm. subterfuge. And yes. of course, also we can't go without mentioning the arm thing which holy crap <laughs> i the, all that foreshadowing just for that to happen was was yeah. fantastic and we do talk about that a little bit with Alyssa. um yeah. so so i guess the last thing i i did remember that i didn't mention in our season spotlight the music this season has been fantastic and i feel like they need to make up an award for best soundtrack just so that you know the, the people at justified can get some love because they've done it they've just knocked it out of the park all season long yep yeah. yeah. And anyway, it's. I thought it was a stellar season, and I'm. I'm very curious to see if and how they can up the ante next year. Yeah. Well, and we'll have plenty more talk about that at the end of the podcast with Alyssa yep. Rosenberg. So let's let's move on to uh, the rest of Tuesday, and uh, let's go with uh, New Girl and Normal. Uh, to me, this episode was really just about one thing, which was Real Americans. Absolutely. <laughs> Everything else in the episode, I has is a distant memory. Because that sequence was fantastic, and there, they, I think Im- immediately comparisons flew to Charlie McDennis. Absolutely, this was ju- this was almost as funny as Charlie McDennis, and but I don't know. The rest of the episode was kind of, eh. like, especially Winston's subplot did nothing for me. <laughs> 
I, I was uh, I enjoyed it more than you did, um, but I will definitely agree that for me this was all about real Americans, and I want to play it so much. <laughs> Just slightly tone down the crazy. I don't want to shotgun any beers, but I, I would definitely be all for a. I, I hear that there are a couple different websites that have come up with uh, competing rules for this, so I'll have to check them out and maybe report back at some point. But yeah, like I, I think so you've misunderstood the the intent of real Americans by toning down the beer drinking i just they, think they it clearly, would kill me <laughs> they clearly laid out that that is the the principal reason for the game's existence yes but you know as a good u of i you university of illinois alumnus i have attempted a power hour uh, on one on the final uh unofficial saint patrick's day that i was at school for because i felt like i I had to. I was missing out on a collegiate experience, and I was not able to complete it just based on the fact that my stomach can't hold that much beer. So we had to con do some math and convert to uh, vodka. But uh, but but yeah. So so I I don't think I'd be capable of 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 drinking that ridiculous amount of beer. But I would love to 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 come you know to see the rules because that looks so much fun. Yes, I mean it's yeah it's it's not Charity McDennis levels of insanity, but it looks like a good time. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, after that was Cougar Town, and you can still change your mind, which was uh, very much centered on Travis and his photography. Uh, the big takeaway for this episode for me was that they they broke up Bobby and uh, Travis's teacher, uh, who was Sarah Chalk. And I would assume that Sarah Chalk is probably um, in in demand somewhere else, and that's why they wrote her off the show because they couldn't have her stay around for too long. But I'm I'm definitely gonna miss her. I, I thought she worked really well on the show, but I'm glad that they're progressing Bobby's character a bit, maturing him somewhat, so that uh, hopefully he will be less of the man child uh, at the end of this season, or or you know if, if they get renewed the next season, then he still is at this point. Um, so I liked the episode. Um, but and but I'm gonna definitely I will miss Sarah Chalk on the show on Wednesday we had suburgatory downtime and you checked back in. I did. I I I'd heard that it was a, a good one and you're gonna be alone for quite a few other shows on Monday especially so I figured I'd I'd keep you company <laughs> and I th I think as I've always said to me an episode of suburgatory is its quality is directly proportionate to how much Allie Grant action we get. And it leaned pretty heavily on that this week, especially with the um, the porn music montages of her and Malik, mm -hmm. which were, I think, uniformly fantastic. Uh, other than that, I, I, I thought it was probably one of their strongest episodes. I, I we got some some nice beats. I mean, I missed the whole thing with with Dallas and her divorce, but clearly that's that's gone through. And the scenes between her and uh, and Jeremy Sisto were were great. Uh, and not too overdone. Uh, the stuff with with Dallas's daughter didn't interest me as much, but uh, other, overall, I thought it was quite strong, quite funny, and sweet at the same time. Yeah, I, I did not in, have uh, anywhere near the level of enjoyment of as you, I would say, of the Allegrant and Malik. Uh, uh, sorry, I forget the character's name, um, but uh, the her character and and Malik's new relationship, uh, it just had stopped being funny because it was the same joke through the entire episode for me um but though of course i you know i like those actors I, I like the characters and i'm glad that they're they just got them together and there's not a bunch of drama that really works for me um i i think for me the highlight of the episode was the dallas and dahlia and um and george 
um, scenes. Those were the ones that were the most interesting to me. And I thought that they handled the the Dahlia scene where she's talking about how she misses her dad very effectively and mm-hmm. and and without taking away from what we know of Dahlia as a character. They didn't all of a right. sudden make her nice or anything like that. Or and super I... eloquent. Exactly, yeah. She's still Dahlia, but she has shades i guess or or maybe two maybe, maybe just two shades she has at two this shades point. yeah um but I, I still liked it yeah uh so then, then then there was the pilot to don't trust the bee in apartment 23 um <laughs> guys can we can we be adults about this don't trust it's, the it's... bitch in apartment 23 what did you think <laughs> well i was gonna say baron um i don't know i mean i i've I, i've heard a lot of positive buzz about the show but then i watched it and i didn't laugh uh, I don't know. It didn't really do much for me. It seems like it's trying really, really, really hard to be flip and current and edgy, which is sort of the problem with about half the new comedy pilots I, this past season, I thought, along with Whitney and some other stuff. Although this isn't quite as bad as Whitney. Um, I mean, the honestly, the only stuff that even got close to a chuckle out of me was the James Vanderbeek stuff, which even they leaned a little heavily on. And the Vietnamese commercial thing gag at the end was a bit much. Yeah, that one... That didn't work for me at all. I it felt like they were trying way too hard with that. And if they had actually done one that was less on the nose with what they were going for, it would have been far more entertaining. Um, yeah, yeah. I I liked this pilot, but not um not anywhere near as much as some other people seem to have. Um, I I think Kristen Ritter's great. I really enjoyed her. I think the stuff with James Vanderbeek is fun and has a lot of promise. I like <laughs> I like that she has a straight gay best friend, which I think is uh, more entertaining than the uh, the the gay gay best friend. Um, but I, there were just certain things about this pilot where you could tell that they thought that they were being incredibly clever. Um, for example, uh, just the the don't trust the bitch in apartment twenty three as a line. Or, or the bitch in apartment 23 that line comes back several times in the episode and it's never particularly funny or or accurate or something that makes sense for somebody to say it comes out of nowhere and yeah. uh so you, you can tell they just thought that idea was really great and they kept using it same the same thing with you had sex with my boyfriend on my birthday cake they thought they were so incredibly clever because it's on my birthday oh cake see it's it's slight a slight change from yeah what you're i see expecting. what they did there. Yeah, yeah i think they and, said that like five times in the course of the episode and it wasn't funny once yeah least favorite gag for me and most just trying way too hard was the whole thing with the neighbor and who's you know yeah who's a voyeur and potentially masturbate like okay no that's that's like a it's like a sub family guy gag well and and this is something that i actually i'm not sure it was either Firewall and Iceberg or um, Ryan and Ryan Talk TV where they were talking about this, where they were saying they actually referenced Family Guy and, and said that that's the kind of gag that might work. You could pull off in, in animation because there's that disconnect from reality. But in live action, unless you're talking like Children's Hospital or something, it's that's not something you can really come back from. Yeah. So no. it, it just doesn't really work the same way. And and. I, I as much as I enjoy Kristen Ritter, I think the other character uh, is just Dream Walker, yeah. Dream, yeah, her character is just so. No one has ever been that naive or that she was. The performance was incredibly mannered and over the top, and it just 
felt incredibly fake next to what was such a fun performance from Kristen Ritter and James Vanderbeek. So I think there's something there, but it's going to take some tweaking. Yeah. And guys, you that and the whole yeah, the whole title and title drop thing was just painful. Well, and it doesn't work because now they're friends ish at the end of the pilot. So yeah, and it's just a really cumbersome name for a show. I don't know why they went with that, but anyway. Yeah, because if she's still not trusting her after the pilot, then it just turns into a series of repetitive. Like it doesn't work yeah. as as a return recurring show. But yeah. oh well. Speaking of things that don't work, you watch Community. <laughs> Yes, and I, I enjoyed this episode. It wasn't as good as last week's, I don't think, but it, there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of good stuff there. I enjoyed uh, the the all the blade references were a lot of fun. Um, parts of the episode worked for me more than others. I really liked how they handled the end of the episode, which conveys a lot in a few glances. And I wish the show would do more of this and trusting their actors rather than feeling the need to cram clever lines of dialogue in their mouths all the time. I liked seeing Shirley get some, some more to do and uh, uh, Chang and Pierce as best friends was uh, surprisingly something that worked for me. So we'll see, you know, what happens with that down the line. Um, uh, also just the, uh, the Dean's uh, c- consistent uh, d- deflection of why are you here? Ouch. Every time, uh, that really worked for me as well. So I hopefully they'll, uh, you know, kind of sync everything back up uh, next week. Uh, you know, like, I, like I was saying, about half the episode worked for me, the latter half more than the first half. Um, but I've still really been enjoying Community since it's come back. So I, I don't get the... Some, I know some people don't think that this season or this half of the season has been as good as the beginning of season three or season two or season one or whatever their favorite episode happens to be. I don't see that. I think it's pretty much what, where it's always been, and I'm really enjoying it. So, um, then Thirty Rock meet the Woggles. T- to me, the the strength of this episode relied mostly on whether or not you dug the Australian children's group who also happened to be a covert white power operation, and that worked for me. So the episode worked <laughs> pretty much. I enjoy that pause for reflection in the middle. That's that's good. Yeah, I I like that too. Um, I'm glad that they're bringing back Paul. I think that 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 character is a lot of fun. So I assume we'll get a bit more with that relatively soon. Yes. But I've got to say, I'm not looking forward to the live episode again. That's coming. Oh yeah, up they are doing that us. again, aren't they? Yeah, um, I I really love anytime they bring in Jack's mom, and I think those those scenes worked well too. I, I loved how giddy Liz got at the end of the episode, um, in you know feeling responsible for repairing their relationship. Um, mm-hmm. But but I do feel like though this is a character that's best in small doses, so I would say we're probably good with uh, Colleen. We have our Colleen dose for the rest yeah, of the season. Yeah, I, I I don't expect to see her again for a while. But I do enjoy the character. What did you think of that part of the episode? I thought it was fine. I mean, the the only weak weak parts of the episode I thought were sort of the the Tracy Morgan and his and his son thing didn't really do much for me. Yeah. Uh, it, Although it, the, I, the montage gag was kind of cute, but that's about it. <laughs> I, I I didn't have a problem with it. I didn't think it was not funny, but I didn't really laugh at it either. So it was just yeah, kind just of kind of there fillery for me. Um, but, but yeah, in, in general, I, I enjoyed the episode. Uh, after that, we have Eagle Heart, which had its season two premiere, Gaby, Calvin, and Stu. Uh, now, you, you've seen all of season one? 
I have, yes. So I had a pretty good idea what to expect. But even by this show's standards, this was out there. Uh, I bet I, I'm I'm assuming you weren't expecting to see Michael Gladys from Mad Men as uh, oh. on, on this on this show, or you, formerly from Mad Men. See, I had no expectations either way. I haven't seen any of Eagle Heart before, so I didn't know not to expect him. Yeah. Anyway, he's he was all all on season one, and I was. At first, I was sad to see him go in this episode, but then I realized it's Eagleheart and he could be back next week, for all we know. Uh, I thought this was delightfully strange, and if, in case you miss the days when Raylan got his hands dirty, you have enough corpses in this episode at the hands of a marshal to fill several seasons of Justified. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know, the, the whole... <laughs> I knew I was going to enjoy this episode from the opening gag of the sandwich gun, and then for a split second, the, the, the speakerphone gun... Uh, yeah, I don't know. This th- this show just generally works for me, though. I love Chris Elliott in this particular role, and um, and and Michael Gladys in full on hammy mode is is also a good time. I haven't seen any, like I said, I haven't seen any of season one of uh, Eagle Heart. I didn't really know what to expect uh, from it, and I think the the biggest thing for me is that I didn't laugh when I was watching it. So. Boo. It's just, you know, it's not, I can see, like, I, it's sort of like a Father Ted thing where I wasn't, when I watched Father Ted, I wasn't laughing a lot while I watched it, but in reflection, I enjoyed, I enjoyed it more. Mm-hmm. And so, so as you're describing the episode, I'm sort of, you know, smiling, chuckling and nodding to myself uh, as you describe it. But when I was watching it, I mean, it's only 10 minutes episodes that's 11 minutes long, yeah. But it felt really long uh, for me and I, I wasn't. Uh, laughing at all though just the notion that the ghost that haunts him of his dead son is actually a dude uh who's not dead was 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 pretty entertaining i will say but i I, maybe i just need to see more of it to sort of get the feel for the show and maybe in a few weeks i will have a different you know opinion of it but for right now it just i can see why other people like it but not funny to me Fair enough. Next up, we had Awake, which we've been really digging lately. Yeah, Ricky's Tacos, and uh, this was—I also really enjoyed this one. I like that they're going more surreal with it and more strange. This last week, of course, we had the penguin. This week, we uh, get the talking drive-through, which anybody who watches Angel will remember Wesley's interaction with the talking uh, hamburger drive-through. So that was uh, a lot of fun for me. What, what did you think? I thought it was not quite as great as last week but still still pretty strong i i I totally agree i like that they're playing with the surreal elements we sort of get the return of the conspiracy elements this week which i think we've both been dreading yes and luckily was wasn't handled with quite as much cornball as it was the first time we saw it but and and also i i don't personally i am interested to see where it's going the whole westfield conspiracy what is it with 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 names of things like westfield that you just instantly know it means evil well, it's either evil or completely nondescript. Those yeah. are your two options. So they're probably on a TV show going to go with evil. Uh, the thing with that that I was most pleased about was that it took up s- comparatively little of the story of the of the time. And yeah. it, I was really dreading that from the promos for last week, at the end of last week's episode, that is. So so I was glad that there was only a smaller amount. The, we did see Laura Innes pop up in both uh realities this time though am i correct i I believe so right yeah i think so which was the first time we'd seen her in the rex reality last time we'd seen her in the hannah reality um so now i guess we know that she's in both the uh 
yeah, I guess just for me, it's it continues to be reliable. I I'm curious to see how they're going to delay the organ move, just because they're going to need to keep uh, his partner in, the, you know, in the show and stuff. Mm-hmm. So that that seems a little bit. Uh, I'm not really enjoying the dramatic irony of that, assuming that they aren't going to subvert my expectations and that they aren't going to actually move to Oregon. Um, yeah. Other than that, though, I, I'm really enjoying where the season's headed. Yeah. Case of the week was all right. Not, yeah. not like a stunner, but not they didn't drop the ball on it either. So, yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely doing interesting stuff. Well, and speaking of doing interesting stuff, this is the second uh, strong week in a row for me, at least for Fringe, the consultant. What did you think? I thought it was all right. Um, not, I, 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 it was sort of a transitional episode in a way for me because we're, we sort of finally, we, we get some answers for, for some stuff, which was great. I mean, especially to do with Broyles and it was nice to know that he wasn't, you know, actively evil, just what now? <laughs> that he wasn't a shapeshifter? He wasn't a shapeshifter nor actively evil. And it was actually just nice to see Lance Reddick get anything to do that didn't just yeah. involve standing around looking stern. So that was that was nice. Um, the stuff with uh, with Lincoln and sort of burying alternate Lincoln was was nicely handled. And also, I, I really like the scene of um, of alt. What are we calling her these days? Other Polivia. Polivia? Other Polivia. <laughs> I, um, I think we're just going with. I mean, I guess you call her New Polivia. Yeah. Um, was uh, I, I? I like the scene of her getting drunk and sort of trying to work out her issues. And that was, I think, some reasonable drunk acting. I know we this is something we, we we've discussed the perils of drunk acting before, but I think that was reasonably well done. Yeah, I really enjoyed Anna Torv in this episode. Last week, you know, it was very much a Lincoln episode. This week, we finally got to see some broils and foils, uh, faux broils or whatever um, uh, scenes. And like you said, it's just nice to see Lance Reddick get something to do. It was nice to bring his family back. Uh, nice to have him not dead anymore in the alternate universe. Um, but, but I think that, that middle scene with Anna Torv and John Noble is probably my favorite from, from the entire episode. I really enjoyed this episode. The differentiation between Olivia and Folivia is now at a point where I don't feel like Folivia is the fun Olivia anymore. I feel like she is a distinct character. I was noticing, I, I, I don't know how I hadn't noticed that she has a rather different voice than Olivia the timbre of her voice is different the her way her, the, her 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 rhythms are different in speaking and I guess I hadn't really quite picked up on that before but I I really noticed that in the scene like you said where she gets drunk and where Walter is able act is actually able to help somebody and console somebody instead of constantly being the one who has to receive help and I, I really enjoyed that scene yeah although I did realize something this week that was slightly dispiriting I'm bored with the villainy on this show Oh, see, I still really like uh, David Robert Jones. Uh, I don't know. Jared I, Harris is still great to me. I like Jared Harris a lot, and we're going to talk about him later on Mad Men, obviously. But I just, I don't know. I just, I, I find him and and first of all, like the whole Nina Walker or Mina, as you call her, yeah, getting getting tripped up by like like a like a third grader's ruse was a bit much. And uh, I don't know. I just, I just find. David Robert Jones has one mode and it's sneering and I just I'm I'm finding it a little bit tiresome. I don't know, it works for me and that means we don't get Betty Pines. Uh I guess so. Yeah, what are they doing with that? I don't know. There's only four episodes left and two of those are a two part finale, so 
we'll see. There's only a few weeks left. Yeah, well, I, yeah, we'll see. I, I, I would love some end of season two style utter like anarchic craziness. But... <laughs> yeah, and this next episode is all about. Uh, it looks like there's a war brewing with the observers. So I will also. I do want to mention Mina is courtesy of. I think that was Matt who uh, hooked me up with that or a term for the other evil Nina. So. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, so I, I'm looking forward to... I think they had the potential to really go out strongly. And if this is their series finale, I think that they could pull it off and do a good job. So well, I'm looking forward to a few more episodes. And my reviews for Fringe uh, are up at soundoutside.org. And I believe next week, Supernatural and Vampire Diaries will be back as well. So I'll have reviews of those. All right. Uh, next up, we had the series finale of Eastbound and Down. They're packing it up after only 21 episodes. Or at least mm-hmm. they are for... I mean, they've said that they theoretically might come back at some point, but for now, this is definitely the end. Yeah. And um, I, I was sort of waiting to see, are they going to do this totally conventional, or are they going to sort of give it a twist in some way? And they kind of had it both ways, I thought, yeah. uh, which was which was nice. And I, I don't think it would have worked for me had it not been for that beat at the end where, where April's like, well, you didn't really have to do that. He's like, yes, <laughs> yes, I think I did. <laughs> that for me just tied that that for me tied the episode together nicely. I didn't think it was like a fantastic, you know, finale for the ages or anything, but I thought it was solid. Yeah, I, th- I thought it fit with uh, the rest of the season and that it fit with the uh the characters and as soon as he started crazily driving down that road, I, I was pretty uh, sure that they were killing him off. And so to see that subverted at the very end was was just the right kind of ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Oh, and also, of course, the the way that they kill off uh, Seth Rogen at the beginning is just, it's so obvious, but it's so fun, too. Yeah, yeah that was, yeah. I always, I like, uh, this was just an insanely star-studded episode also. Like, hmm. Seth Rogen, Matthew McConaughey, Lily yeah. Tomlin, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, yeah, Don also Johnson, great, yeah. great use of, of hair this week between Stevie and his latest wig. Well, his latest wigs. He had several... <laughs> Yes, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and his not to mention the eyebrows, and of yeah. course, uh, and of course, Kenny's blonde hair at the end was great, also. Yeah, so I, you know, I don't know that I, I don't know if I'm going to go back and catch up with the episodes that I missed. I don't really feel the need to do that, but I really enjoyed watching this season and being able to talk about it on the show. So it's been a lot Huzzah. of fun. Um, next, we have Bob's Burgers and Food Trucking. Uh, is Bob's Burgers the best comedy for you this week? Um, I'm, I'm not sure there's there, consistently. I, I do think though, that Bob's burgers is the best thing on in terms of comedy. Now that, uh, now that parks is on hiatus for another two weeks, I think, or possibly, I three. think it's coming back this week. Really? Yeah. It's coming back. It was, wow. Is it, has it been six weeks already? Jesus. Um, anyway, but, uh, well, we'll see what happens when, when that returns, but I thought this was another pretty damn solid episode of, of, of Bob's. Um, I, I particularly liked, uh, I guess it, it, it might've been a gag lost on you since you're off in classical music land, but, um, <laughs> the, the Tori Amos, uh, riff Oh my God. Yeah. That was hilarious. Was incredible. That was As voiced me. by Megan Mullally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that was special. She, she was great. I, I, I should have figured out right away that it was Megan Mullally, but I only, they yeah, do a pretty good job of, of, uh, of casting and getting their performances out in a way that you don't say, Oh, that's so-and-so. Yeah, as soon as I saw the credits, I, I felt like an idiot for not having caught it sooner. But that was hilarious. Yeah, she's not subtle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, other than that, it was it was fine. But that to me was was the takeaway. 
Yeah, I had a lot of fun with this episode. I mean, I don't know if it was quite as good as the arcade episode last week, but I like that we got more time with the family all together and yeah. uh and even just bat hair as a uh as, as the the call sign for the for Bob was hilarious and uh and of course uh, uh Louise is the jackal and just things like that were were yeah. a lot of fun. I really love Tina. I think for for me she's sort of like the the character that that's grown on me the most this this past few episodes and yeah. I, I loved her signing i'm dina now and just dina's her... a rebel yeah dina's a rebel dina doesn't she's a live think... wire yeah and then <laughs> and then just realizing no this doesn't work and then she can, she can just blame it all on dina that's kind of brilliant i think i'm gonna try that for a while well you're gonna, gonna need develop... some sort of identifiable hair clip or something that you can move to the other side and become the... a... yeah yeah well maybe that's what the mustache is for yeah, that, that could be it. If I'm to believe my genre fiction, you are clearly the evil or more awesome version of yourself. Those are the two options. I'm glad you managed to find a way to say that without referencing community. Oh, no. You referenced the original, sir. I'm talking mirror, mirror. But uh, let's, let's, move on. let's move on to the girls' pilot, uh, which has to be the most acclaimed pilot of the season. Definitely if, of the... If not yeah. all time. I mean, just the, the praise for this has just been... Uh, yeah. the, the the chatter amongst the intelligentsia has been significant, shall we say. Yes. And I, I don't think I'm just being a contrarian dick when I say <laughs> I wasn't all that taken with it. I mean, I, I thought it was decent. And it's the thing about it is it's doing there's a difference between saying it's 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 putting forth original representations and realistic representations and appreciating it for that and there's a difference between saying that and acknowledging that it's funny entertaining insightful witty which are things that i didn't really get out of it like i i i I appreciate aspects of it but i can't say i was i didn't laugh once which can't be a good sign for and that's that's not necessarily to say that it couldn't be effective in other ways but i at least on this in this first you know 31 minutes i didn't really latch on to any of the characters in a significant way I didn't find any of it funny, and I'm really not all that taken with her, sort of, because uh, Lena Dunham also writes and directs, I'm assuming, every episode Louise Dial, and I'm really not that taken with the way she directs comedy. I don't find she has much of a rhythm. Yeah, the, for me, I like the pilot. I think it's interesting. I think it it's talking about an experience or a kind of person's experience that we don't see represented on television. I think that there's a lot interesting to be said about what... 20 somethings are going through or in this country right now what the what the place their place in the world is or our place in the world is um this statistic could be completely wrong so don't necessarily quote me on it but i i as i last recall it's something about like one out of every four 20 something is unemployed um so when when the the economy is really suffering and there's a lot of people who don't have who who can't get work that's affecting people just out of college even more than it's affecting the general populace. And so I do think there's a lot interesting there. It's not just 20 somethings who all have jobs who are, who live in fabulous apartments Mm -hmm. and go out and hang out at the bar every week. It's a different, uh, different voice. And I do really appreciate that, but I have to agree with you in that. I didn't laugh very much. I don't think I actually, I might not have laughed once when I was watching it. So while I enjoyed it and I think it should, that Lena Dunham has an interesting voice and I think there's absolutely a place for a show like this and I look forward to watching more of it. On Louis, he has interesting and insightful things to say about 
his unique experience and, and you know the what his situation is and what that's like but he still makes you laugh yeah and so absolutely. i i think while it, it just is and maybe that's why this it's such a good fit with hbo and some of these, I like i don't think that the show would necessarily succeed on a network just based on the fact that i'm not laughing it feel it felt more like a 30 minute comedic drama than like a like a 30 minute comedy yeah, which is not necessarily a problem, but yeah, but it just for, depends on what your goals are. Yeah, but you, but I, I think in in a, in thirty one minutes of comedic drama, you should probably chuckle a couple of times, and that that didn't come for me. I don't know. I I, I feel like, and I'll I'll be curious. I'm going to keep watching it, see if uh, see what happens. But I get the distinct impression, at least from this episode, that she could probably have benefited from some collaborators in in the writers' room, just sort of throwing around other ideas because the idea of she's what 23 24 and she's uh, yeah, directing she... a tv show by herself and that's a that's a tall order for anyone mm -hmm. uh, but for someone so young to be doing it uh i i think they could probably there's i think anyone doing that could benefit from other voices and i i didn't really get much evidence that there were any uh sort yeah. of kicking i mean we've got we've there's a judd apatow production credit but i don't really know how much he really meddles with it yeah, I look forward to seeing how what shape the rest of the season takes, and um, and then assuming it gets renewed for a season two, and given I all the critical love, I assume yeah. it will be. Um, I do look forward to seeing what the people's what people's response to it, the fan response, what effect that has, if any, on the, the what the show looks like next season. Yeah, and that being said, V premieres next week, and I'm. So goddamn excited for that! I'm really looking forward to that. I, I love me some Julia Louis Dreyfus. I love me some Armando Iannucci. So that's that's going to be fun next week. Um, Definitely. But let's move on to the Amazing Race, and uh, you got 20 points in the pool this week, sir. Rap. Yep, I pretty much ruled this week. And hey, I don't know why everyone didn't pick Nary and Jamie to get eliminated. They had a speed bump, and they suck. Yeah, but there was a there was a double U turn. Yeah, well, I forgot about that, so it was simple for me. <laughs> well, and I think we also didn't know just how far behind... I didn't know how, just how far behind Neri and Jamie were. Like, they left hours and hours after everybody else. hours, yeah. Yeah, so if I had known that, then I probably would have given them, yeah, more points. But I, I was I was in last place in the pool. I, I only got five points this week. Uh, I keep, I've been bumped down qu uh, quite substantially. You have now passed me in our yes. overall rank I'm tied rankings. I'm third. Uh, yeah. I was, I you know, I had a lot of fun watching Mark and Bopper this week. Just yes. like th that bike challenge was just so perfect for them. That was it was it was a lot of fun to watch them succeed. Though I'm a little concerned about uh, some of the health stuff we might have coming for for the two of them. Yeah, well, I'm hoping they can they can work through it. Uh, yeah, I I was really not uh, that take. I, I mean, this is this was a source of some some very small debate here, but I really thought Art and JJ were just dicks this episode and. I mean, when when we saw Rachel and Dave and um, who was the other team who didn't pick a U-turn? Mark and Bopper. When we saw Rachel and Dave and Mark and Bopper both not pick a U-turn, I thought that was very sportsmanlike. And mm -hmm. then for Art and Changer to show up and just be fuming at them not doing it was just the juxtaposition just says a lot about who they are. And yeah. I'm, I'm hoping they go down at some point. When Whenever the U-turns uh, the pop up, it is always... You know, it's it's the sportsman like thing to do is to not U turn unless 
you it's your only way of staying in the race and even then it's sort of a dirty way to win um but the the reason that uh i mean granted i art and jg don't are not probably the people amongst these teams that i would like to go out and have a beer with but it, it strikes me as that they're more upset at Dave and Rachel because they feel like they had invested more into that collaboration than they had, than the other team had. So I feel like they're, I feel like their feelings are hurt, but the way they're expressing it is by uh, sort of being bitchy about it rather than realizing the reason that they're angry is because they feel like, oh, we like them more than they like us. Yeah, I don't know. That I, I almost I almost think that they, they they need to take a break in the race every once in a while to each like talk to psychiatrists and really get their issues worked out before and the couples could definitely use it because they're oh, all goodness. getting pretty snippy with each other. Though I will say I re- no, I really enjoyed watching all the teams take a brief moment to enjoy the beauty of the Ngorgo Valley because that just looked amazing and it was and yeah. this is that's what the show is about at least for me it's cool challenges and everything but it's getting to see parts of the world that you would never get to see otherwise so mm-hmm. in in that part of it I I actually enjoyed a lot of the at least the early part of this episode now am I the only one who is disappointed that uh, Rachel of Brennan Rachel didn't get stung a bunch of times does that make <laughs> me a jerk uh, yes, I think it does. Just okay. because that the, that would be mean, and they, that would really hurt. Um, but I, I, I will say I enjoyed all of the the Winnie the Pooh references from people. That was pretty cute, and yep. uh, I think this is I haven't seen the DBs before, so that was pretty fun. Now let's see. We have a couple people. I know Dan picked Nary and Jamie. Mario picked Nary and Jamie. So we're gonna have some shakeups. <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll see. Adam has uh, Brendan and Rachel. And he's still in first place, and then Dan is in second place, but we'll have to pick a new team uh, for to to win it all, which will give him fewer potential points at the finish line. As far as I'm concerned, these were your twenty clown points, sir. You don't have a phantom twenty points. That's not how it works. Yeah, well, as long as I have them up here, it's fine. <laughs> but I, so I look forward to we could have we could have a change up. We could have a real shake up here in yeah, in we our good. If, if I so. keep, I'm just gonna keep doing that. I'm just gonna keep picking a team. Every week, and going all give, out, giving all my points to them and hoping it works out because there's only so many options now. Yeah, and I really feel like this is like a the top three, unless something happens health wise to slow down Mark and Bopper. It really seems like there's three teams that have their stuff together, and then there are now two teams that don't. Yeah, we'll we'll see if that you know if it plays out in that manner, but yeah, that's what uh, it looks like for now. Uh, next up, we have the Good Wife and the. Uh, reappearance of Matthew Perry, who we saw just uh, just before in the in the blue ribbon panel, and wow, they're just going all out this week, I guess, huh? Absolutely, lots of villainy all around, and uh, it it really worked for me. What did you think? I thought it was pretty solid. I mean, the at first I wasn't all that crazy about the reappearance of Parker Posey, which also meant the return of Alan Cummings' sentient penis. But I did think the the twist at the end with um, with him having to dump her if he's gonna if he's gonna back if he's gonna work with Floric for governor was was nicely handled. Um, the twist of Perry running for governor was I think also spectacularly well handled. The I actually thought my favorite scene of the of the episode was uh, the way Perry's character denies yeah uh, Alicia when she the shows lie. up just just bald face lies and just has no makes no bones about it and is just 
he seems to almost have convinced himself. Oh, no, absolutely has convinced himself. It, it, it's he, it, he comes off very strongly as a sociopath in that yeah. scene. And it's it's great. Now, I love that scene. I mean, I, I've always enjoyed Matthew Perry. I like, he's great on Friends, and he's, re- he's really great when he popped up on The West Wing and, and some of these other... I liked him a lot in Studio 60. Um, so I was glad to see him get some things to do dramatically when he popped up on, on his first episode. But bringing him in here, I, I was kind of... I was uncertain how they were going to continue the rest of his arc. How, cause I knew he was coming back for multiple episodes, but I think this is great. And, uh, I really look forward to doing just, if there was ever a way to get the audience to hate him, it's, the, it's the way that he interacts with Alicia in this episode. And mm-hmm. just the point of you, like you can, you can see how he would convince someone who was less, strong-willed than alicia that Mm -hmm. what he actually what he's saying actually happened and get them to doubt themselves and get them you know he's just evil yeah or at least get them to give up in exasperation yeah or or, you know prompt them to go running off to the press looking like a a, an idiot um you know and and yeah he's just he's he's just evil whereas yeah we have jackie who's just a bitch which is fabulous. Yeah, I like that she even she even manages to make having a stroke seem like an active villain. Well, that's assuming she had a stroke. Yeah, or you know whatever. But uh, yeah, we don't really know. But we, yeah, they've just decided to go like cartoon the Joker with her, which they've got, chosen which to go I'm Olivia Soprano with. with her. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a good comparison. Yeah, because before they they were kind of hedging their bets with her, like mm-hmm. oh, you know. She's a bit of a bitch, but like she has her reasons sometimes. But no, none of that anymore. <laughs> and I kind of, I kind of admire that bald faced commitment. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think of uh, the the actual case of the week was not that interesting to me. Though I really like the Alfred plea, which is something I had never heard of before, and I think it's really interesting. So once again, much yeah. much like some of their other some of their best episodes on on the Good Wife, I love when they examine and and reveal little you know, strange curiosities of the legal system that, I mean, have you ever seen that on, with all the legal procedurals that exist? I, I, I feel as, I feel as though I have, Okay, but I maybe not referred to by name, but I, I feel like I've seen that sort of maneuver before. The The thing that I didn't know existed that I thought was great was uh, behind the bar. Oh yeah. The, uh, the support group for disbarred lawyers, mm-hmm. which ended up only having three people in it. <laughs> that was, that was great. I thought. Yeah, yeah, I look forward to um, seeing what, now that it looks like uh, Will is out of the woods, at least for a little bit, I look forward to seeing what they do with him for the rest yeah. of this season. Granted, the rest of the season is only a few episodes. I think it might even yeah, just be it's, two. It's going to be packed. Yeah, two more weeks. Um, so next week we have um, the penalty box is going to be the episode, and I would assume this will all be ramp up in the governor's race. I was I was a little surprised. You would think that his Peter's decision to run for governor would have been like the season ending, you know. uh, Yeah, especially in this episode where we get sort of that that moment where the the flash goes off and we have and we realize, yep, she's basically right back where she started in a strange way. Yeah, Uh, but uh, well, I'm looking forward to seeing seeing how they end the season now so it should be yeah for sure should be good um next we have the pilot uh nyc 22 which is 
Oh, those cops proceed. No, no, no. Move. NYC 2 2. Oh, NYC sorry. Now. The 2 2. Yes, of course. NYC 2 2. Um, so th- this was a rookie cop show on CBS. Um, what did you think? I wanted to like this so bad, both because I'd heard it was really bad and I enjoy being a contrarian dick. <laughs> And because, I mean, it's created by Richard Price, who's a you know, great crime novelist, wrote for The Wire, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, James Mangold produced it, and he's he uh, he's got some experience with decent cop drama. And I like aspects of the cast, and I was really going into this hopeful. And I, I for me, I thought like the first twenty minutes were not horrible. Like I was seeing, okay, this these characters they seem kind of cardboard or kind of familiar but maybe they could pan out in interesting ways i like the look of it you know i like adam goldberg and i I like the idea of a reporter turned cop i'm not sure i've seen that sort of thing represented before not as far as i can think of and and then of course it just goes off the rails i mean just so so much overblown drama way too much incident i know it's a pilot but way too much incident for a first day on the job uh the whole standoff in the apartment thing was ridiculous the whole thing with the the former athlete and his buddy was ridiculous. Lily Sobieski is a former former Marine MP and badass beyond ridiculous. Yeah, you're far more generous to this show than at least this pilot than than I am or was while I was uh, watching it. This from the opening moments of this pilot, I was concerned um, just based. As I was watching the opening, you know, scene of them all, you know, taking the train or or driving in to their first day, I I, I was thinking, oh no, I think I know who all of these characters are already, and not in a good way. In a oh, this is mm-hmm. going to be the stereotypical tough Latina chick who comes from a who comes from a a hard knock background, but is trying to go you know to turn her life around and this is you know right. this is the sensitive guy who you know things like that and unfortunately almost all of my fears were realized within the next five to ten minutes um the fact that every character has uh, a several minute long discussion of who they used to be and how they became a cop and none of them are the same by the way which doesn't seem right at all so you have a you know a a cop family or somebody comes from a family of cops you have a former mp who's lily sobieski who's the least convincing Mm -hmm. badass they could have uh you know cast there though i I like the actress i think she's very talented but they're not giving her anything to work with and then you have the former basketball player who they who's come back to his hometown and yeah Mm. it's just who speaks in basketball metaphors yeah 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 absolutely it just and and happens to run into one of his old friends who happens to be the guy that you know it's just there's too much terrible dialogue and there are some really charismatic and and strong actors in this in this pilot but they're given nothing to do and so my suggestion is go if if you want to see a an interesting cop show with some good actors go for the other Adam Goldberg uh, cop show which is The Unusuals which is from a a couple years back now at this point I think and that has him it has Harold Perrineau from you would know from Lost of course and it has Amber Tamblin and Jeremy Renner before he you know had his mm-hmm. uh all, all of his uh you know his oscars and bow and arrows and all of that um and that 
that was a far better show than this. Granted, it only got one season. Nobody really watched. But apparently, the thing to do, you know, with these procedurals is the, there's just the people aren't watching the good ones. I don't get it. I don't know how the ratings were for NYC 2-2, but nobody was watching Prime Suspect. Nobody's watching Awake. Why aren't people watching the good procedurals that are on TV? I don't know. We'll have to throw that out to the to the internet verse. Yes. And see see how they respond. Uh you know, I don't know. I feel like there are there are the parts here that could be assembled into a good show. I just don't think that 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 happened at all in this pilot. Yeah. I mean I mean I mean in terms of the people involved both in front and uh, both on screen and behind the camera, I know that they can put together a great show and it just hasn't happened here. They need better writing. They need to yeah. fix the writing. And I don't know if it's just they're taking too many network notes. I have no idea what like what caused this. I'm not going to just say that whoever wrote the pilot is terrible. That's not necessarily the case. But the script that they ended up shooting and in piecing together into that episode was not good. I believe the word for it is doggerel. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to move on. Anything else for you? Yep. Um, so no, that sounds good to me. The uh, final show of Sunday is Game of Thrones. What is dead may never die. And of course, we will have the we are, the Sound and Sight uh, Game of Thrones podcast, which you are going to be on this week. Yes. So we, we, we're going to skip talking about it now. I liked it. You liked it, I assume? I liked it, yes. It was it was a good one. We'll have plenty to talk about uh, about that with Michael Waldman, and that'll be on the, the on soundandsight.org. It'll be, we'll put it out on the Televerse feed. Um, that'll be a solid, uh, what, probably like 45 minutes of, of Game of Thrones talk that you can uh, check out if you want to hear our further thoughts. Yep. Then on Monday, we have the Lost Girl Season 2 premiere, Something Wicked This Fay Comes. Um, just briefly, I thought they did a good job of picking up where the finale left off from. There, there's some interesting new developments for the season, and uh, I, I'm looking forward to it. So um, I'm not sold on some of the more angsty and emotional or relationshipy kind of developments, but hopefully they will execute it well as they've executed the rest of the season one well. And then next on Monday was How I Met Your Mother and uh, Now We're Even. Uh, this was pretty much a, a bridging episode between uh, where we came and where, especially with the Barney plotline, where they're trying to get. I, I think it was okay. It wasn't great. The The title cards for Barney's uh the night we series a series of uh descriptions were pretty great as well as uh just the 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 ideas he was coming up with sounded like particularly appropriate barneyisms and uh and just bringing back ranjit this way was just kind of crazy and fun i always enjoy when ranjit's back on the show so um, not the best episode ever, uh, but it was still still pretty fun. Then we had The Voice, which was the the quarterfinals of the live rounds, as well as we had the results show from, from last week as well, last week's uh, live rounds. And once again, I thought that there was one team uh, that the choice was pretty obvious, and for me that was Adams, and then on, on C-List, you know, I thought that was a little closer, but I, I thought that they did a pretty good job of picking who they were going to save, and the performances were a lot better. I think the performances in the quarterfinals were also much improved, and uh, the biggest thing for me with the quarterfinals, uh, besides the fact that I really enjoyed especially team the Team Blake performance with them all together, I, I always enjoy how Blake 
this season and last season, whenever he's performing with his with his team or members of his team, he always puts them front and center. Um, it, while you know, Christina, Team Christina's performance was also very good and an excellent performance and a lot of fun, she's always in the front and center for those performances, and I appreciate that Blake uh, takes a back seat in those. Um, but Christina eliminated uh, Jesse, who was, I think, for many, the, the front runner in the entire competition. So it was just kind of crazy. I don't really, I don't understand where she was coming from because. Lindsay seemed by far the the weakest on her team, at least on this particular day. And as for Blake's team, I mean, you can even just tell when they were performing their team Blake uh, song, Raylin is by far his weakest singer, but he decided he he likes her style. She she's just she's too young and she needs some more training, and. I thought it was a real shame that he sent Jordis home, though as soon as she came out there and performed a choir piece, it was pretty obvious that that was going to happen. So, um, as for Smash, uh, since I can't talk about, uh, with you about this, uh, Simon, um, I think that you know it wasn't terrible. There weren't any particularly standout moments either. I like what they're doing with Tom uh, and his relationship with the dancer whose name escapes me at the moment, but I think they're handling that, that relationship pretty well. And, uh, and I'm just, I'm not interested in this Rebecca Duvall storyline. And I wish they would just get whatever they're going to do over with, uh, with Dev and Karen. Cause it's, I'm, I'm over it. So not terrible. I know you'll be disappointed, Simon, but, uh, but, uh, but but not particularly thrilling in most of its sequences either. So that's uh, that's Smash. I know that you didn't get the opportunity or won't have gotten, will not have gotten the opportunity. In the future, I will not have the opportunity to watch these shows as I have a train to catch in the morning and I'm working till midnight. Yeah. So. But uh, I look, I do uh, look forward to talking with you uh, about Smash. Uh, I mean, because there's there's only how many episodes are left. At this point. Not that many. It's not that long a season. It's thirteen to fifteen episodes or something. Yeah, it's it's going to be yeah, just another four episodes. So um, we'll we'll see if uh, if it makes the cut next year for us to continue talking about. But yeah, it's been fun and for ho- me. At least. Or or if it descends into into delightful fiasco territory before then. <laughs> Good times. Um, so we're going to take a quick break and listen to some some music and come back and talk about Mad Men uh, Signal Thirty, which is our spotlight this week. So we'll be right back after this. <laughs> That was the Berlin Philharmonic playing Beethoven Nine. The uh, I, I I decided not to to lift the exact quote from the episode. Uh, I I love me some Beethoven Nine, so I figured I would get uh, one of the best orchestras in the world uh, playing it rather than than just the 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 rather hissy 
clip that they used in the episode. Um, some little classical music represent, which is uh, always fun for me. Um, but this was featured uh, prominently in, in Mad Men this week, Signal 30. Uh, what did you think of this episode? The wonderful John Slattery once again directs. Yep. And for some reason, whenever he turns up to direct, it's it's a fantastic episode. I, th- I He seems to have a pretty sure hand at this. Not sure how that happened. But uh, this was probably, if this wasn't the funniest episode of Mad Men ever, it has to have been pretty close. I mean, just if only for the fisticuffs between uh, between Pete and Lane. And, um, and Lane. Holy crap. Yeah. I... That was just too funny. It was fabulous. Oh my god! It was... And the fact that and the fact that they foreshadowed it earlier in the season with someone else wanting to beat the crap out of Pete mm-hmm. was was great. Well, just the um, you know, while, while it was happening, it was just one of those moments for me. I was watching, going, "Oh, this is gonna happen! Oh, it's gonna happen!" And then yeah, it did. And, and, and then Roger echoing the sentiment of, "Am I the only one who kind of wants to see this?" I know Cooler Head should prevail, but fuck it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Um, yeah, there was a lot of good in this episode. It, it was kind of scattered. Like mm-hmm. the, we, you know, we had a, you know, quite a lot of Pete action. Only a little bit of Don, uh, next to no Peggy. A little, a, a lot of quite a little, mm-hmm. um, for the most part. But basically, all of those parts were good. So, yeah, yeah. I think that makes for a pretty damn good episode of Mad Men. I liked all the stuff with uh, Ken Cosgrove, who we don't haven't really seen much out of mm-hmm. in, the, in the last little while, but we, we sort of check in on his, on his story writing. And I mean, th- the whole thing at the end with him writing very, in a, in a very plain way about Pete mm-hmm. should have been too on the nose, but it, it was, it was done with just the right amount of class that I felt like they got away with it and sort of managed to have him comment on the situation without it being painful. Well, because that scene commented on Pete, but it also told you a lot about Ken too. And that's, that's why I think it, it worked. And, and also just because this whole episode was structured around Pete, it's been a while since we've had a a Pete episode as far as, you know, I'm concerned we had, you know, there's plenty with Lane to do. There was other stuff that went on, but I do feel like this was an episode about Pete. And I'm curious what you think, what you think about him at this point. I mean, for me, I'm just sitting here watching him destroy his, you know, do take little self-destructive baby steps towards destroying his life with Alison Brie saying, what is wrong with you? You, you idiot. Well, as you can imagine, this endears Pete to me on a, in a significant way, because <laughs> I don't know. I, I have a, I have a self-destructive streak. And so whenever it comes up in other people, I, I, I tend to give a little nod. And I thought Vincent Carthizer just killed it this week. Mm-hmm. And um, there, there, I I really like the whole sequence of them in the uh, what whatever the not whorehouse was called. Yeah. Um, <laughs> since it wasn't a whorehouse, mm-hmm. uh, lots of great beats in there. I, I love the little scene between uh, between the the Madame and yeah. Don, where where he's sort of giving her pointers. No, I don't take a television. <laughs> um, uh, that was great, the, and especially afterwards, the scene between um, between Pete and Don in the car, where they discuss the discrepancies. Yeah. Uh, suddenly between them. Yeah. Or and, even just know, Don, and Don's non-judgment. That's clearly judgment. Well, you know, I I. This is, I think, the first time that I think the show, unless I've missed it, which is, I suppose, very possible, <laughs> actually, um, this is the first time that I think they've drawn so clear a parallel between Don and Pete. They've drawn a lot of parallels between uh between Roger and Pete, I feel, but 
the fact that they're sitting in the cab and Don practically says, you're doing exactly what I did and I lost so much and mm-hmm. it, I think was interesting and uh and 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 in the same in the same way it's also you know that scene again like the scene at the end with ken that scene is so telling about dawn and where he's at right now mm-hmm. it just th- that he was looking at pete as a someone he can compare and build you know be like oh maybe at some point i'll be like Pete, in, you know, settled down in the suburbs with Megan and wanting to have a new, you know, to wanting a baby with her and all of this, you know, is is so interesting because he knows mm-hmm. he has to know Pete is a little shit. So, you know, the mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I think it was really interesting. There's a lot of like strange conflicts going on within characters this week. We also see that with Lane. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of really interesting stuff from this week, like his sort of debate with his wife that, oh, I don't like going to. Just, you know, I don't, I don't like to going being a bore at football matches, and then clearly he does love being a bore at football matches. He just enjoys being combative with his wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, meanwhile, the whole scene with Joan was just so painful. Yeah, so painful, and of course Joan handles it like a pro. Yeah, with utter grace. Things. Yeah, and uh, yeah, that 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 was definitely a lesson in 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 taking in taking on awkwardness. Mm-hmm. And yeah. um, just he is just not he's in, I think in an even worse place than Pete mm-hmm. in a in a in a in a more insidious way. We just haven't seen it. We 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 haven't seen him anywhere near bottom yet. I don't think. Yeah, I mean it. As we they talked as they discussed in the premiere, this is a group of people who aren't happy and who are mostly pretty terrible. You know, Don yeah. doesn't like anybody theoretically that that he that he works with um which is interesting and also i think not true i think he does like roger i think he does like some of these other people as much as he may not want to admit that to himself and he likes pete too yeah and he like otherwise he wouldn't be trying to help him yeah yeah and he's very he's he's good at concealing it but definitely he has more affection for these people than he's willing to let on absolutely absolutely and um I mean, it's just, I, I do think it's great that they still have Ken as the sole, you know, adjusted good person in this office. And it was nice to, I was so glad to see him and Peggy somewhat teamed up a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. just for that reason. Um, though I yeah. was a little concerned that we were going to find out that Peggy had told Roger. Um. Oh, God, I hope not. Yeah. But um, I like that, that he didn't jump to that. I was worried that he was going to jump to that conclusion and it was going to be incorrect. But now, because he didn't, I'm a little concerned that maybe that's where they're going. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. I would actually be surprised if that came up again, but I don't We'll see. If only because we see so little of Cosgrove. Yeah, but that's true. We'll see. Um, we. Uh, it, it, what's also really telling that I think this could very well be a better season even than last year was we got basically no Peggy this week. Very mm-hmm. little of them, very little of the show's bread and butter, which is them working on advertising. Yep. And yet it was still like a fantastic episode. Yeah. It, it was not, there was very little Peggy. There was no Joan pr- practically. There's just that one yeah. scene really. Um, and I mean, <laughs> there's no Betty though. That's not really a problem for, for me usually. Um, and yet, like you said, it was such a, a strong episode that was so interesting and revealing about so many different characters. Um, so, yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to, to the rest of the season. I, I We have to talk at least very briefly about that coat. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, uh, I, I haven't been reading that um, 
the the stylistic analysis. Tom and Lorenzo's Mad Style. Yeah, it's it's yeah, great. Yeah, stylistic Go analysis on. of Mad Men, but yeah, that that was shocking. Yeah. I mean, granted, I assume this is was the the fashion at the time, but there have been a lot of horrible checked coats o- over the course of the season for the men. I mean, wow. And but then but then to see Don in that oh so garish checked coat next to the floral curtains in Pete's office in Pete's uh, home was just so it was oh man they and and I guess probably some of my appreciation for this does have to go to the fact that I I have been checking out Tom Lorenzo's mad style reviews of each episode so the costuming has been drawn more to my attention but wow if there was ever a way to say this character does not belong here it's with that coat yeah, that coat was a war crime. <laughs> oh, man. So any, any uh, final thoughts on the episode? No. Oh, and, and I'm sure some people will read, um, me, you know, metaphorical implications into the dual scenes of plumbing. Ah, yes. Yes. I, Although... I, I enjoyed how just how much all of the ladies loved Don's plumbing. Yes. That was rather entertaining. Yes. That yeah, I don't really have much more to say. There was it was a diverse, varied, interesting, consistently entertaining and surprisingly hilarious episode. Yeah. Looks like next week we're getting more Peggy. So, I'm looking Huzzah. forward to it. We'll see we'll see what happens. But uh, yeah, it was it was pretty solid week of TV here, right? Yeah, Sunday was ridiculous. Yeah, Sunday really has gotten crazy. I feel like after the comedies all wrap up, um Thursday is going to pretty much be gone and we're going to be back to just sunday as the day of all of the best television yeah i'm going to start calling it the reckoning (laughs) good time so before we go into our season spotlight with Alyssa rosenberg from think progress um a few show notes you can find us on on current you can find us at sound on site streaming at both websites at sound on site you can also leave comments and download the show there you can subscribe to us on itunes we have both an m4a and an mp3 feed there please leave us ratings or and or reviews that would really help us out um i'm on twitter at the televerse you are at sucker howl and you can also email us uh the televerse at gmail.com um our intro and outro music is sweet petite by the bicycles and uh what should our what should our question be this week what do we want to hear from people about what do we want to hear from people about Hmm. i don't know how about this nothing how about we ask, we ask people what their biggest surprise of the season has been? With all these new pilots coming out, what has been the show that, that people are most sticking with? Mm-hmm. I, I would be all curious right. about that. Oh, and I didn't even talk about Bones. I meant to talk about Bones, much like uh, Mario's suggestion. I, I watched the uh, <laughs> I watched the, the birth episode of Bones, Bones Had Her Baby, and it was just terrible um maybe i'll have to talk about that at at a later point but she gives birth in a stable after being turned away from the inn literally they they comment they lampshaded but there's no amount of lampshading that can make that not terrible so anyways uh i guess i'll have to check in on a different uh show next week and see hopefully they're they're doing better there's going to be a a firefly reunion tonight on castle so maybe that's the one to check in for two for next week. oh yeah i spotted that i was like oh kate's gonna watch that yes i am i love me my firefly but uh that's enough Uh, i'm sorry i keep i keep uh rambling on let's 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 go ahead and take a break listen to the justified theme song and come back with Alyssa rosenberg and think progress Home, 
pissed off for my soul. I'm fighting for my soul. God, get at you, boy. You try to go hard, fall back. I go hard on this lonely road, trying to make it home. Doing the bomb, I'm also pissed off for my soul. I see them long, hard times to come. We're back with the Televerse. This is Kate Kulzik, as always, with Simon Howell. And this week, rather than the standard DVD shelf, we thought we should take a little extra time and talk about the season three finale of Justified, as well as the season as a whole. So to help us with that, we are happy to welcome Melissa Rosenberg from Think Progress. Alyssa, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. It's a treat to be here. So I'm looking forward to this because as anybody who's been listening to the Televerse for the past even just a few weeks will know, Simon and I have been incredibly positive on this season as a whole. And I know that that's somewhat out of sync with at least a a small or maybe a vocal minority or maybe even a majority of the fan base. I'm not sure exactly what the breakdown is. Um, And I know that you have had a few issues with this season. So I look forward to hearing what you think. (laughs) Where are you with Justified Season 3? I mean, look, I think it's, you know... Gramius is an incredible writer and I could, you know, I could listen to Boyd Crowder talk at me all day long. I feel the way I feel about Walt, uh, I feel about Walton Goggins the same way I feel about Ian McShane. I could just sort of sit there for half an hour to an hour every week and listen to them pontificate. I thought this was a very busy season of the show. And I mean, you've got sort of a lot of new elements going on. Um, you have, you know, Winona's pregnant, you have showing up in town as a sort of gothic villain you have the introduction of nobles holler um you have arlo slide into dementia you have boyd's attempt to sort of consolidate uh crime in harlan in the wake of mags bennett's death and so it's an enormous amount of stuff going on i think the finale was sort of an astonishing piece of television in the way that it pulled all of those threads together but i think it's too much stuff And I thought Quarles in particular, sort of however deeply felt that part was, um, was kind of a showy distraction from things that I found a lot more interesting. And that may be a personal preference, but it's 13 episodes of television and there's only so much you can handle well. Yeah, I think for a lot of people, um, at least based on what I'm hearing, the whether or not we connected with this season or, you know, cause I, I think anybody who watches television critically, like I know we all do, will appreciate this is a very well-made television show. It's, you know, we're splitting hairs here to say what worked and maybe didn't work. But I think for a lot of people, the season three comes down to whether or not you connected with Quarles and with Limehouse. And so maybe that is that, would you agree with that? Oh, sure. I mean, I, you know, Look, I write about the politics of popular culture a lot of the time. And so Nobles Holler, the idea of sort of a black enclave in a largely white Kentucky county that serves as both sort of bank and refuge for the abused women of the community is a concept that was dreamed up in a vat to make me happy. Um, <laughs> it, you know, it's it's like they plugged feed into my brain or something. Um, and... You know, I appreciate, I thought that was fascinating. I think Limehouse is an amazing character. I can't wait to see what they do with him in subsequent seasons. I really hope Errol doesn't have to be exiled. I feel like if you show up and save your boss from a you know murderous, oxy-smoking Detroit gangster, you should probably get to stick around. That seems fair. It seems like a pretty good trade-off. <laughs> 
Yeah, you know, I thought I thought Errol was sort of sweet. It's like, and unlike Dickie Bennett, he you know has a parent figure around who can set his dumb ass straight. <laughs> but he doesn't have Dickie's hair. But I thought that I mean, I wouldn't say I didn't connect with Corals. I'm just not sure what having him in the show did for the show overall, other than add a boatload of crazy. And the opportunity for Wayne Duffy to ask the immortal question: Are you smoking OxyContin in my motor coach? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think like, I think Jeer Smith should be in Emmy contention this year for his performances. Duffy, I thought he was great, um, but I thought Quarles was just over the top in a way that didn't enhance. My, I mean, I felt like he wandered off the set of Dexter or something. You know, maybe maybe they shoot on the same lot. Who knows? <laughs> Simon, how about you? What are you thinking about this season now that you have a little more perspective on? Well, I think it, I can't think about season three without thinking of season two. And I actually prefer uh, season three to season two, which seems to um, be a minority opinion. But I think one of the things I really appreciate about season three, and this is something that you and I have talked about, Kate, is the way that it sort of fixed some things that I didn't really like about season two for instance i really didn't uh like what happened with ava in season two i felt like we kind of lost sight of her and her motivations and this season i felt like we got to know her a little bit better and just where she ended up in the finale was shocking and sort of satisfying in a wrong kind of way and so when i'm thinking about stuff about season three that could have been handled a little better i would have loved to have known more about nobles holler and spent more time there um there's no reason they can't fix that later there's there's very little that that i that was unsatisfying to me about the season that couldn't be remedied later and yost has been really good so far about fixing sort of past wrongs and i i, I found the whole evolution of the show to be kind of fascinating like if you tr if you watch season one now it's almost like a different show sure i mean it's it's a long arc show in the way it wasn't at the beginning well not not just that but also it was more i mean with i mean if you look at the body count of season one uh, this is something Kate and I were, were discussing earlier over chat. Has Raylan actually shot and killed anyone this season? Um, I'm not sure he has. He shoots the kidney guy. Or the kidney... The, yeah, the nurse. The nurse, but we don't think she's dead. I got the, oh, really? I got I... the impression she was dead, but it. for me, it's it. this season has been so much about Raylan being off his game. And having to, uh, this is something that I particularly noticed in the early episodes when we had uh, Harlan Roulette and some of those other episodes, uh, just situations deteriorating out of Raylan's uh, control. I felt like he spent so much of this season saying, well, shit, they've all killed each other. Um, uh, and, and that's really interesting to me, just based on the season one Raylan, quick with the gun, absolutely cocky and in control of pretty much every situation we saw him in um, and then this season starting out he can't even shoot a, a stationary target at the gun range and so i felt like a lot of the season it was him trying to get back into fighting form and then by the end of the season just when you think yeah after after the interrogation with uh with when uh quarles had been framed for gary's for Gary's murder. After that, he seemed to get things back into stride. And then with this this uh, closing of the finale, which I just loved, I really look forward to seeing what happens uh, in next season. And I feel like just that 
ending finale real recontextualized so much of the season into a story about Raylan and his father. I'm curious, what do you guys think about that? I mean, look, I thought I thought that final scene was extraordinary and sort of wrote at length about that aspect of the finale, which I think was the thing that, yeah, I think that was the best thing about that hour. You know, this is the second show that sort of this and um, Sons of Anarchy have both done shows about dealing with elderly parents. Have you? Do you guys watch Sons? I do, uh, although I find it immensely frustrating. I I have not yet. <laughs> Okay, so in the in um in the second season of the show, one of the characters, um, for reasons I will not divulge, uh, ends up g- leaving home for a while and going to stay with her elderly father, and it quickly becomes clear that um, he just can't live independently anymore, particularly not after uh, they murder his nurse, which <laughs> results in one of the great all-time cameos of the last ten years of television. Um, but there's this just amazing scene where Gemma, this character who, you know, hasn't been particularly good to her father on handing him over to the attendants at the nursing home where he's going to be living, just loses it and breaks down and has these just clear, immense feelings of guilt um, for both her failure to care for her father in the past, the fact that she's turning him over and not staying with him. I just, I mean, I thought Katie Sagal did an incredible job with that. Um, and, you know, it's interesting to see this show take on that question again and, you know, kind of come up with some indifference. I mean, Arlo and Raylan hate each other. And, you know, it's a, there's a sort of callousness to that that I think is kind of is honest. I think both the guilt and the not wanting to deal with elderly parents are both things that people deal with. Well, and so much of the, that's actually what I really enjoyed about the the relationship this season. So much of this is not a big moment. It's all the, the baby steps that Raylan took over the course of the season of not choosing to check in on his father, not seeing the giant glaring warning signs that he really need if he was gonna be in part of his father's life at all, he needed to check up on him, make sure he was taking his meds, do any of the things that he could have over the course of the season to try to get, figure out, find out what was going on with his father, and, and re you know establish that relationship in some way. And then at the end of the season, he's let it go so many times that his father theoretically chooses to kill him to save somebody else who's just been there and i think that's really interesting and i thought it was really interesting that you know there's an extent to which um caring for arlo has been sort of a moral opportunity for for boyd you know i mean Mm -hmm. he has gotten something out of being kind to arlo um and i i actually found that surprisingly moving as well absolutely They, they talk about i mean boyd loves this idea of family and of his criminal conspirators being a family. That's something we've seen back even in season one um, with his gang at the church. Uh, and and so for for me this season, it I actually believed him when he said that. The family that he and Ava 
really built. I mean, when you look at look at Boyd's gang, it's really kind of sad. It's what three people, and one of them is in a wheelchair, and one of them is uh, if he doesn't take his pills, is seeing his dead wife, and it's not really the uh, the the gang that you would necessarily put your money behind. Uh, but I did actually absolutely believe in them as a family. Simon, what did you think? Um, well, I I thought personally. The, the the Boyd and Ava especially stuff uh, was quite improved this season, but in terms of improvements and um, sort of Yost tooling with with the dynamics of the show, I was really impressed with what he did with Winona in the middle of the season because he's very aware that Winona is not a fa- a character that's beloved by the fans, particularly because of her sort of theft arc in the middle of season two, which from what I understand was sort of something they came up with at the last minute anyway because they had to fill time and uh just everything they did with her sort of you know basically saving Raylan's ass and uh was i thought fantastic and a a sort of a a neat way to redeem a character that maybe didn't necessarily need redeeming but in the eyes of some did and i'm I'm very sort of prickly and averse to the idea that creators should respond to fans and their reactions at all i mean i actually think that's been one of community's significant problems is doing a lot of mm. fan service this season um, as opposed to sort of figuring out internally what works for it. See, to me, to me though, the, the it, I, I didn't feel as though Yost thought there was anything wrong with the character. It just kind of, kind of felt like, okay, well, I'm going to give her material that's so awesome that basically no one is going to be able to complain. Yep. Maybe it's a conversation for another time, but I am curious I don't understand why people have such a problem, a theoretical problem with, with Winona, just like I don't understand people's problem with Anna Gunn on Breaking Bad at all. And I, I, I don't know. It seems like there's somewhat of a trend in people not liking the female leads on these shows. Well, I mean, I also just think that the white, like, dudes who get a kick out of watching these middle-aged men bis- misbehave aren't as fond as watching women be sort of unpleasant or prickly or, mm-hmm. I mean, I actually think Anna Gunn was exceptionally good on this She's, she's great. Out. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Anyways, to, to move back to, to Justified, uh, I just, I'm going to just mention this because for the longest time, I was not a fan of puns and then just the, by sheer force of will, Jason Siegel on on uh, How I Met Your Mother has made me a fan. And then I think this finale with both disarming and piggy banks has officially grown. Are you kidding me? It was amazing. <laughs> you just you, like people are smart. The fans of these shows are smart. You don't have to say them out loud. I don't know. I appreciated it being said out loud. Oh, I just loved the glee of it. And actually, I, I, what I thought was kind of funny, and it didn't occur to me at the time, uh, but afterwards I got a few tweets about people feeling like that was a line straight out of Archer. So I enjoyed that we we almost got a, a, bit, a bit of a justified crossover in Archer this season with the, uh, the, the that backstory episode we got for Ray, and then Heroes was maybe a little touch of Archer. So you did, you weren't a fan of that then. I, just, I don't think everything needs to be spoken aloud. Like, the writing on Justified is so good. I mean, so, so, so good. The apple barrel conversation towards the end of the episode. Like, this stuff is just poetry. And mm-hmm. I think the punny stuff kind of brings it down. <laughs> I just, it's, I understand that it's irresistible. I just. Fair I enough. Mean, 
piggy, the piggy bank one worked slightly better for me because it feels like the kind of thing that Quarles would say. But I don't, I don't know. To, to, to me, the funniest thing in the episode was actually after 13 episodes of buildup, Raylan finally sees Quarles' fancy railgun and says, that's cute. Yeah. Well, and then that also that they don't have it jam, I thought was a good decision. Yeah, we no. kept waiting for that to happen and then to for them to subvert it. Even a coked out, uh, completely messed up uh, Quarles still rem- remembers to clean and care for his gun. It's, it's an interesting little character touch. We also got um, uh, Adam Arkin showing up in the episode again. Do you guys think he'll be back as part of this world? Or do oh, you think yes. we're done with him? I think he'll definitely be back. I mean, if only because he directs a few episodes a season it's it's too convenient to not have him around yeah i don't know that makes sense and the other character who i was talking with um with sean from previously on and he one of his frustrations with the season was actually he felt that jim beaver was very much wasted as shelby and he had only a few scenes and a lot of his screen time was actually just sitting in the background of boyd's scenes and so I, 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 while of course I always love Jim Beaver, I am hoping that maybe next year they'll be able to use him more. That seems likely. I mean, I think, you know, he thinks he and Boyd are square or whether Boyd agrees that they're square seems to be a different question. <laughs> <laughs> yes, of course. Now, for, we should be seeing Limehouse next year, I assume. Um, Michael T. Williamson is, is fantastic. I, uh, I never really connected with that character i would say just because just based on the teeth to mention that yet again um just this clearly obviously fake teeth just such a barrier for me i'm hoping that that they can continue to to nuance character because i did love as you know we mentioned earlier i did love that world of nobles holler but um i guess for me the most interesting thing about limehouse over the course of the season was that so much of his character and the time spent with him was actually all a misdirect. I feel like the character at the end of the season is the character at the very beginning of the season. And the 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 path that you think he's taken was actually very much um, a facade and for the benefit of these pawns that he's sort of moving around. And so I thought that was just such an interesting way to take that character. I mean, I also think, frankly, it's nice to have, like, a black man who, you know, he, yeah, he's a kingpin, but, you know, he runs this whole society. He has very coherent rules for it. And it was just, it was nice to, like, not have him dead like Stringer Bell or, you know, I mean, he, he's a survivor. And I thought that was really nice. I think sometimes it's okay for people to stand still if what they're trying to do is survive. He's a survivor and he's also an isolationist which puts him, I think, in a, in a separate category from some of those other characters you're thinking of. He's not interested, really, in conquest, just sort of renewal. Yes, absolutely. Which is interesting. No, nobody is going to take minute, minutes on no motherfucking criminal conspiracy in Noble's Holler, that is for exactly. sure. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. No, we, we are introduced to him as a banker, and then at the end of the season, in the, in the I would say, the penultimate episode, he's revealed to be an honest banker and that's you know he has his other concerns within the, sure, the world it, of harlan yeah, but it, it pushes back a little bit on the sort of stereotype of black criminality and i think that's uh that's useful mm-hmm. do, do people have specific hopes for for season four that they want to talk about i would like it to be 
all standalones. That would make my world. I think I would love to see the Raylan and Tim show because there are still some characters that they haven't spent hardly any time with that I would love to see uh, get more time to shine. And b- big on that list for me are, are Tim and Rachel. Yeah, I, I mean, look, I've written this and I would totally watch an alternate version of this show that is like Rachel and Limehouse is the two main characters. <laughs> I, I think that would be fascinating. Um, uh, you know, I mean, I feel like I kind of want to see Tim Oliphant shirtless with a baby. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You're going to get that at least once. Come on. I hope so. I mean, I do hope so. But uh, yeah, I want to see what happens with Ava. Um, and whether Ava sort of emerges, you know, as a woman with her own enterprises or, uh, whether, you know, whether she sort of steps back and with Boyd less under threat takes less direct, direct action. I'd be curious about that. Uh, Simon, how about you? Um, as for the whole like standalone issue, I mean, I, I kind of like the way they've, they've done things for the last while, which is sort of introduce the players and then do standalones for a while and then gradually move into serialization. Although I I feel like this last season was more serial, probably the most serialized they've done. We could maybe ease back on that a little bit, but I think they've got sort of, they've hit on, a, on an interesting formula. I think the main thing for me is if they're going to have more new villains next year, I'd like to hold off on meeting them for a while just so we can have some time to sort of, you know, maybe deal with some, minor level scumbags while we sort of just see where all the characters are at and really spend some time with them. Now we need to uh, wrap up, but I am curious. I was talking with my brother actually about this season of justified. And I was, I was struck by the fact that we have such completely different takes on what the show is, because for me, this justified is about Raylan and his, you know, Harlan factors into that as part of his past and as part of his identity that he may try to struggle against. But for me, it, this is all about Raylan. And then, and so that makes, for example, in season two, when we had these extended periods of time with, uh, d- completely separated from, from, uh, everything that he was doing with, with Boyd and the coal mine and things like that, it felt very disjointed. Um, but then I was like, my brother, and for him, the show is all about Harlan and, Raylan's just a piece of that. I'm curious, uh, Alyssa, where do, what do you see Justified as being about? Hmm. I mean, I think I view it... I mean, yeah, it's it's a Raylan story. That's, you know, that's how Elmore Leonard first saw it. I think that's how Yus understands it. I mean, I really see it as sort of an exploration of geography, and I appreciate seeing new institutions and new parts of town come in with every season. I think that's... I mean, that's the thing that I enjoy the most about it. You know, I'm not sure that's what it's about, but that's what I enjoy most about it. And Simon? I, I think for me, the thing that strikes me the most about it, just and probably has to do with the way I watch television and, you know, probably live also, is um, I see it most strikingly as sort of a, a, a battle between past and present, sort of, you know, the way, the way Raylan's personal demons and, you know, personal histories and as well as his relationship with his family and other people's relationships with their families as well, how these things sort of constantly exist, whether or not we want them to. And that to me is sort of the theme that trumps even, uh, even geography. Interesting. Well, it, it, it's a great show, obviously. It's one of the best things going right now, as far as I'm concerned. And it's just so nice to have a Western on television. I'm, 
I'm a big uh, genre fan. Uh, do you, do we have any final thoughts on the the finale or the season or the series, Alyssa? I mean, I think we I think we gotta build up to Boyd running for Senate. That stump speech is too good to go to waste. <laughs> good stuff, and Simon. Uh, no, I I've I've been rewatching early episodes of the season, and it's been it's been fun to watch, especially Quarles' early appearances, knowing what happens to him later, because it totally. Not unlike Lucy Lawless on this past season of Spartacus, it kind of casts the whole thing in a new light. It's it's definitely not. Se- season three ended up being very different than the story we thought it was going to be. I would say at the beginning of the season, and uh, it's part of what I guess what I like about the show that it can actually surprise us. So, um, but I, I, it's been a great season, and it's just nice to know that it's going to be back next year. So, so Alyssa, where can our listeners find you online? Uh, I am thinkprogress.org slash Alyssa, and I'm on Twitter at at Alyssa Rosenberg, so I am fairly reachable and warm and fuzzy. <laughs> and tweets often. Yes, <laughs> lots of lots of fun, good tweets going on there on Twitter. Um, so thank you again so much for coming on the show. Thanks so much for having me. It was a treat. And uh, everyone will be back next week with another episode of The Televerse. Thanks for listening. <laughs>